AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey and right now save over 30 percent on smart metabolic burn at getsmartburn.com the lowest price anywhere that's getsmartburn.com don't delay transform your life with smart metabolic burn from brain md these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration our products are not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease welcome to checking in with michelle williams a production of iHeartRadio and the black effect If you or someone you love is thinking about suicide or you're worried about a friend or loved one and you'd like some emotional support, I want you to know that the Lifeline Network is available 24-7 across the United States. So please call or chat the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Hey, y'all, this conversation is going to be incredible with someone phenomenal. His name is Joe Barksdale, former NFL player who is just now a full-time writer and artist, mental health advocate. He just was diagnosed with autism literally a couple years ago in his adulthood. So get ready. Really, 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 please zoom in for this conversation with Joe Barksdale. Everybody, I am so happy, so thrilled, and so honored to have someone who is such a vocal advocate for mental health awareness, autism education, wonderful singer, artist, musician, and yes, he also happened to be in the NFL. Please welcome Joe Barksdale. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Y'all, we were talking about something about his friends. <laughs> so Nick, Nigel, and Chris, I just want to give y'all a shout out. I actually have an ex by the name of Chris. So Chris, I don't know. You might not be in the running. <laughs> but I wanted to shout y'all out at the top of this episode. And maybe we'll have to bring the three of y'all back with your friend, Joe. I want to see three starstruck dudes from Detroit. Yeah, you do that. They wouldn't say anything. They just all be. Oh, no, you know, you got to talk and you got to talk to me. Okay. Okay. I, I like information. I like to, I like to communicate. 
And Joe, you have been communicating in your own way. You've had an amazing journey, something that people would describe like out of a movie. I don't know if you've considered getting a screenwriter for your life. I feel like it's just starting. So yeah, you think so? I know so. Like okay, if, like if Kanye had a screenwriter to do his life after he became a hot producer, or like if The Rock had a screenwriter do a movie about how he became the top wrestler, the story after the story is the real story. I know that makes no sense. No, 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 no. That's actually a bar. Yeah, Drake, same thing. Making it from where he did to being on the grassy, you know, national global show. People would have thought that was the end, but no. Yeah. Let me start with your music first. Okay. It was a coach that told you to start playing the guitar. Yeah, he gave me the idea for it. I had a significant death in my life. And at the end of the 2014 season, he knew I was musical. This happened during the season. He said, you need something to do this offseason besides, you know, playing video games, something that's going to engage your mind. So you're not always just thinking about this. Mm. It's going to help you process it. And I used to play music back in middle school and, you know, grew up in a black church. So, you know, a lot of music. Yes, yes. Two o'clock in the morning. I got school tomorrow. Oh, but I can stay up for Jesus, but I can't stay up to watch my shows. That's mm-hmm. fine. Sorry, I was talking to my invisible parent. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> It's okay, darling. We all got somebody invisible we talk to. They say, just don't answer them. Well, I, I think I'm way beyond that. But uh, <laughs> you'd open the door, Joe, who you in here with? Oh, you crazy, crazy. Oh, snap. But yeah, I needed something to do, you know, to engage my mind. I played saxophone before. I played violin before. Both of those instruments, I felt like, you know, every instrument, there's care and upkeep. Yeah. But the saxophone, I'm not trying to clean my spit out of an instrument every day. And then you got the reeds in your mouth. The like, reed. I played saxophone, so I know all about the reed. And I got sensitive teeth. Woo! The vibration of the yeah. reed and the mouthpiece. Yeah. yeah I, I see what you're saying. You get it. And I wasn't trying to do that again. So I'm like, well, what's something I could play wherever, whenever? And, you know, immediately the thought came. And Jeff Fisher was the coach. And he's like, you know, my son's actually really into guitar. Uh, you know, you play guitar. It's a great introduction to music theory. You, you know, do a bunch of things from there. Why don't you try guitar? It's like, okay. <laughs> so did it come for you naturally or? I took lessons, but it would get to the point that teachers that I have would be like, I don't know what else you want me to show. I have nothing else to show you. Really? Yeah. So you got sweet on it. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you know this. I am autistic. Yes, I was definitely going to get there as far as your senses and the brilliance. I want to make sure I'm saying it correctly. I have two godchildren who are autistic Mm. and the brilliance and how one of the goddaughters, we were praying and at the end you say amen. And she was like, well, why don't we ever say a woman? She's like two. I'm like, what? What did you like the brilliance and the mind or I was gonna slap for those kind of comments. (laughs) 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 I can remember. So you say you were disciplined for some of those comments, but when you look back, that was genius. There was some brilliance there. Oh, for sure. Or you think you were being mischievous? No, I was just saying what I thought. I mean, I wasn't diagnosed with autism until I was 30. So to a parent, it's like, oh, this little is trying to talk slit, you know? I think that's what it comes across as, but 
These are legitimate questions. And you are 33. So the diagnosis was about three years ago. I had Morgan Harper Nichols. She's an amazing writer, poet, and artist as well. Mm -hmm. She's about 32, about your age, and just last year found out that she was autistic. And so how was that for you, finding out something in your adulthood that people feel you should catch in your childhood? There's a lot of questions. And I'm a big believer in like I found out when I was supposed to. If I had found out earlier, there are certain things like I wouldn't have ever played football. The reason I got into football was because of some autistic behavior. I was actually a STEM kid, science, technology, mm. engineering, and math. So I did a lot mm -hmm. of uh, engineering programs and that kind of thing. I wanted to work at General Motors or Ford and design the interiors of cars. That's what I wanted to do. That was the dream. And I was at this residential engineering camp in high school. It was over the summer. This kid asked the question. He was trying to be funny. One, I didn't know he was trying to be funny because sometimes you don't get sarcasm. Mm -hmm. Two, there was just this thought in the back of my head, like, you know, people that ask stupid questions should get slapped. And I slapped him. <laughs> and we both got kicked out because he started flipping computers over and stuff. But that was... Sheesh. Up until then, like, I didn't know anything about sports. I mean, nothing. Like, I didn't watch sports. I don't watch sports. I didn't watch sports when I was playing sports. I just needed something to do over the summer to stay out of trouble. So uh, I thought I would try to get in shape and play football. So sports just became an outlet for you for behavioral responses. But when you talk about you were in science and technology and math, for someone on the outside looking in, they would just say, bro, you were just smart. You were just brilliant. What were the signs and symptoms that led up to possibly saying, let me go get checked out to see if I'm autistic? Because somebody listening has that question. It was one statement for, for me. I was talking to my therapist and I told her that I just I get so nervous all the time when I'm around people because I do my best to like act like a human. Mm -hmm. But I scared to death that one day someone's going to realize like, no, like you're different, you know, that kind of thing. Now, granted, she had been observing me for a few years at this point, but that's okay. when she told me that it would be wise to <laughs> to meet with a specialist because I've met with the specialist. The specialist is telling me like, so this is during uh, COVID. Mm -hmm. So the specialist is like, you know, uh, just so you know, usually this is a lengthy process. It takes about, you know, three or four meetings to get this together. So I'm going to send you some papers fill these tests. I sent them back to me. We were halfway through our first meeting. We're not going to have to have any more meetings. <laughs> we're not going to need to meet again. You are on the spectrum. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. It explained a lot about me. Okay. And do you feel that it brought you closure? Like, okay, I can really move on now that I know. Or do you feel like the label made things worse? Or It made me more comfortable with who I am. And like okay. decisions I've made, things that I've done in the past, and even in the future, like, you know, my brain is hardwired differently than the average person's. So, well, when I sit and talk to you, the laughter that we had before we officially started recording, and even when I logged in and you and the producers, y'all were just laughing and going back and forth. And I'm sure a lot of people will tell you or ignorantly have said, bro, but you don't seem like someone on the spectrum. You might need to educate people like there is various levels to this. There's definitely various levels to this. And I'm going to say this, like when you talk about humor, I, like I know I'm funny. Very. When you're autistic, you don't really understand your feelings and emotions. 
I mean, you figure out different ways to do this. Me, I tried to deny him and I tried to hide him from other people. And comedy was always a way for me to hide my emotions because if people were laughing, they wouldn't know how pissed I was or how sad I am mm, or how yeah. melancholy I feel or whatever, even how happy I am. And it became this repetitious drill that I guess I've been doing since five, six. So I think that's why, because first of all, I mean, let's be honest, there's a lot of people out there that ain't funny. <laughs> just, and I'm not talking Joe, about comedians. You, are just, you ch- you're choosing violence. This is what my wife tells me, okay? So this is who I'm citing. And I just threw my wife under the bus. But she said that. <laughs> and I asked her. So this is what happened. We, I was at church the other day, and I was talking to this young lady. She volunteers in the daycare center, so they watch, you know, my kids in church. And, you know, I'm talking to her, and it's kind of like this, like, but, you know, once again, it's a shield for my emotions. So she's laughing. Immediately, this woman comes up to me after. So, you know, have you guys been dating, th- talking about, ma'am, I'm 33 and married with two children. Oh, I just, and so I asked my wife, I'm like, why does everybody think that you flirting when you making a woman laugh? And she's like, because everybody ain't funny. Okay. A lot of people are not funny. And a lot of women will just sit there and laugh and it may be a fake laugh. But when you oh. hear a real laugh from a woman, but that's how I find out a lot of people ain't funny. Uh oh. So, Mrs. Barksdale, you gave them some free game. Oh, no. Nah, you can't learn to be funny. Like, it's the. <laughs> well, I mean, you cannot learn to be funny. But what I liked when she said, when the laugh comes from the belly. Yeah. Okay. But when it's cerebral, like, ah. That's yeah. fake. But when it's good looking. punched and pushed <laughs> and, and, and started getting degraded. Shut up. You're stupid. Boy, you yeah. were talked. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you mentioned you grew up in Detroit, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Y'all, he went to Louisiana State University. He was on a full ride scholarship. He played for three NFL teams, the Arizona Cardinals, Los Angeles Chargers, St. Louis Rams. You are living a dream because there's a very small percentage of people who make it past high school and college sports and eventually go to the NFL. Then you shared that you've struggled with depression and anxiety and a potential attempt at suicide. Mm-hmm. Couple of those. My heart goes out and I hate that anybody has had to deal with childhood sexual abuse, bullying, emotional, physical abuse of any kind that you had as a child growing up. Which is funny that I got kicked out of the engineering camp for bullying. (laughs) Really? But when you talked about your anger, you talked about your anger and certain responses. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering if that was a result of not knowing how to express what you were feeling due to abuse. The reality of the situation is I did. I didn't. I never formed that bond with like my parents and my grandma used to brag to my wife about this all the time. Back then, she was my girlfriend. You know, we, we as young as two years old, we take him with us, you know, on trips to church conventions and we'd be gone for weeks, sometimes months. And he would never ask for his mama. And I'm mm. like, that's not something to brag about. That's a problem. You know, like yeah. these, these kids, they wake up from a nap. Brianna go up. Brianna's my wife. Brianna go upstairs. Hey, where's dad? Like, you know, from a nap and for someone to never ask for their mama, like that's a problem. So because I never, you know, had that bond, I never trusted him and I never trusted him enough to tell him. So it was more of a trust thing than a this is what happened thing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's kind of like 
throughout the bad things, good things have come. You pursued a sports career. You're doing music, but it was Kobe Bryant Mm -hmm. who became a one-on-one personal mentor for you that inspired you to really kind of pursue music full time. Yeah. That had to be amazing. It was fantastic. I mean, meeting Kobe was one of the few times that I feel like I met somebody that saw it the way that I did. You know, like you get it. I just never hit it off with anybody that quickly before in my life. I read something where I think you might have asked Kobe, well, I'm paraphrasing. How do you know that it's something that you really want to do? And I think Kobe responded and said, when it's something that you pursue more than what your career is. Yeah. I asked him when he knew he wanted to retire. And he said, when I started thinking about what I had going on off the court, Yes. More than what I had going on on the court, then I'm doing a disservice to myself and the game. Yeah. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough. But these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. I've had a chance to listen to your music. I'm glad you have chosen music. 2019, you released an EP titled Electric Soul. Electric Soul was recorded while I was still playing. It was recorded during... One of them was during my off day in summer camp, and then the other one was during the bye week. So, see, they, exactly. You were focused more so on stuff off the field than you were on the field. Well, I was going to say, when I was given that timeline about 2019 and 2020, do you feel like the pandemic gave people more of a chance to focus on you musically? Like, look at you as the artist. Oh, look at me as the artist? Yes. Nah. If anything, 2019 made like the XNFL thing like that much more prominent because it's not like I was playing any shows. Oh, yeah. And that's like, that's a goal. That's a life goal. Like the same way Dwayne Johnson is no longer The Rock, like I want to be just Joe Barksdale, not XNFL player. Okay. And if I might add, so you know me, I come from the group Destiny's Child, right? Mm -hmm. And do I want to be just Michelle Williams? 
Yes, but there are a lot of people who tack on former Destiny's Child member or Destiny's Child member from Destiny's Child. And there are parts of me that are honored to have that association because that's good pedigree to come from. But I kind of get what you're saying. Oh, it hurts my feelings. When people just continue to bark on the NFL. and Because, I mean, you got to yeah. look at it from my point of view, like being a big black dude in America, every person, white, black, other, they see you, they assume you play sports. I mean, you walking into the, the Louis Vuitton store, hey, Hoss, what position on the field do you play? Well, how else can you afford to be here? Are you a rapper? <laughs> and, you know, like after a while, it starts to hurt your feelings, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and then you think about like the civil rights movement. And like what those people were trying to get done. We're more than just entertainers. And, and then you go into football, like, you know, and then, you, and then after football, you leave football to do show business. Like what kind of sellout? But you know what I'm saying? Like th- those kind of mm-hmm. thoughts. But the ex-NFL thing for sure. Like I had to bury a lot of dreams when I left the NFL. It wasn't just like, okay, I'm, I'm done, you know, left the NFL because I saw something greater. It was during the Kansas City Chiefs game. And... Um, we were losing and, um, I'm, <laughs> you know, there's a hundred thousand something person stadium and I'm looking around and I'm like, man, it takes two 53 man rosters plus whoever's working in the front office, whoever's doing promotion, all that other kind of stuff to sell this arena out for eight times during the regular season, eight mm-hmm. times a year. And then I look up and I see Taylor Swift in concert at the same arena this day, this day and this day. And I'm like, that's significant. Like not wow. this, you know, like that. I remember thinking that like that is significant. Do you see yourself opening up for her one day and then taking the main stage and being the headlining act one day? Yeah. Good. I mean, I feel like as far as my music is concerned and so forth, I'm creating, I'm doing stuff that hasn't been done. And so I know it's going to take a little bit longer for it to catch on, but when it catches on, Artists like Kanye West, Drake, Kid Cudi, Young Thug have shown us when it catches on, it catches on. That's true. Who is one or two of your musical, I don't know, inspirations? Because I don't know if people inspire you other than Kobe Bryant. I'm getting yeah, that do. sense. Kanye inspires me a lot. Okay. I actually dropped a tribute album to him last year. It's called Omari. I didn't want to name it Kanye West and get sued. <laughs> <laughs> but this was before the Genius documentary. This was before I even knew that documentary was coming out. But yeah, he's been a huge influence in my sound. I describe my sound as like if Marvin Gaye and Jimi Hendrix, you know, and Sly Stone were writing music together and Kanye West produced it. Like that's Woo. what I would call my music. Heat. But the- Heat. <laughs> Marvin Gaye, Sly and the Family Stone, Kanye West. Woo! Yeah. That is heat. And I've got a listener from New York, uh, last name Scott. I won't say his first name, but I love that he always keeps me up more than he knows on music and R&B music or anything considered eclectic or something, music that's probably not considered popular. But like you said, once it hits, it It hits. Because everybody else is doing whatever sounds you're chasing that sound like someone else. They already sound like themselves. Like people that try to be the next Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix already exists. We don't need another one. Well, we are excited. We got Joe Barksdale and how you are using your music and even bringing awareness to mental health. Mm. Do you know how many people you've impacted? Probably primarily black men. No. Well, you have to know that I'm sure you are impacting people and impacting people who come from that world of sports. If I'm not mistaken, there are two men 
who have even kind of forsaken a possible career in sports because they were like, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. It's too much. And I think that takes amazing courage to really go for your passion. And you're so gifted in many things. You're gifted in sports, music, tech. Come on. Are you or your own engineer as well? Yeah, I do everything. (laughs) How did I know? This album, this yours truly album, we recorded it in the studio. But yeah, if it's done in the house like the Omari album, I did it all myself in here. Oh, M-G. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm excited to see your name on flyers like Coachella. Have you done South by Southwest yet? I, yeah, I actually played in my first South by the event this year. So, yeah. Woo-hoo! Yeah, we just made it, baby. We, woo, we just made it. Come on. I'm truly excited. You're not signed to a major, are you? And what are your thoughts on that? I have my own label. I call it Moonbeam Music. Because I can do everything myself, I've started to work with two other rappers. I'm looking for a singer, but I can produce the music myself, so I'm not using everything I make. So I help them out, too, and it helps me, you know, expand my range as a producer and all that kind of stuff, too. But, yeah, the label's Moonbeam Music, and it ain't going nowhere. Come on. Congratulations. Ownership is everything. You own your masters. You own your publishing. You own it all. But I'm sure, you know, when that heat really gets on your name, you're going to have to get some help. Well, you ain't lying. And look, and I will gladly accept it. But until then, look, I have to support what's supporting me. So right yeah. now, like Moonbeam Music supporting me. And eventually, you're right. Moonbeam Music will probably be a division of some other big label. And at that time, it will be shout out to Moonbeam Music and that label. Exactly. Yeah. But you didn't wait for the majors. You started it yourself. Because I want to find my own sound. Ooh. Like, even when I first started making music, I could tell that people were trying to, like, influence, you know. Like, when I first started doing music, I wanted, I wanted to be the next Jimi Hendrix. Like, I wanted to be the next John Mayer. I wanted to be Black John Mayer. Like, I didn't want to produce anything. I just wanted to play guitar and sing. And over time, I realized, no, I want to do more. And I can do more. Absolutely. Yep. And I know for a fact, if I signed with a label, my ass would have been Black John Mayer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you wouldn't have seen me with no button acoustic. I mean, don't get me wrong. The songs would have been nice and a whole little soulful voice. But I don't know. You know, like, there's already a John Mayer, I, I guess. So mm-hmm. I think that's the difference. I wanted to find my own sound and there's no other way to find your own sound than by yourself. Right. How do your children, do they spark or inspire your music at all in any my way? My kids inspire everything I do because they elicit emotional responses from me and everything that I do is me processing my emotions, whether it's Woo! a joke, a song, you know, whatever. You know, kids, they've shown me, you you get this view of God. I can't speak for everybody. The view of God I grew up with is different than the view of God I have now. And that's thanks to my actual kids. That's beautiful. Because I was going to ask you, when you were younger, you had problems expressing your emotions probably in what people would consider in an appropriate way. But now you have children who make you laugh. Mm -hmm. Who probably... Not irritate. That's a harsh word. It's a real word. Well, they can maybe frustrate. I'm going to say frustrate, not irritate. Fr- but why are you frustrated? Because you're irritated. <laughs> you're not going to therapize me today. Yeah, kids so. can be irritating, y'all. You can quote me. <laughs> Michelle didn't say it. I said it. <laughs> and look, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a bunch of women. Thank you. Yes, they can. 
Y'all hear this? Cut the, cut the volume up. Okay, okay, okay. You're right. You said it. You said it. I didn't want no one to come after me and say, Michelle, you should probably frustrate is probably the more appropriate word than irritate. You know what? And that's another reason I want independent. Ooh, because you didn't want nobody to tell you how you should. Especially after coming from the NFL where everything, you know, all your responses are, I mean, it's to the point, hey, they're going to ask you about the turkey drive. Tell them that it was delicious. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> if they start talking about the key lime pie, tell them you ain't got no more answers. You know, like we'd have meetings with coaches. We don't talk about this. We don't talk about, you know, like you couldn't. You couldn't be yourself, mm. but I get it. Like, that's the job, and that's the organization you're part of. So you're under their rules. I understand. But I don't want that to be me again. There's a sense of freedom, then, yeah. that you have. Do you feel like you have some folks that are still in the league who are probably envious of this freedom you have? I don't know. So another thing about autism is you don't really think about, like, other people, like, in your mind. Everybody else is just a non-playable character and you're like the main character of a video game. Mm -hmm. So I don't really spend time thinking about what other people think. Folks who don't have the diagnosis of autism need it. Which is true. You do. Everybody needs the where you don't worry about what other people think. Stay in your world. Create. Mm -hmm. Once you come to the realization that like, nobody's perfect or you know how people will say like you need jesus well if i need jesus for the reasons that you say i do then you do too you know what i mean like absolutely we all need jesus for various reasons so if we all need jesus we all on the same level that's good i ain't worried about nobody that's on my level come on speaking like a true artist who's sure of himself because some people might call it rebellion but it's just someone who's sure and doesn't worry about what people think about them yeah, I, I, I would call it like revelation mm. or reevaluation, not necessarily rebellion, just doing things. I mean, the same thing Apple talks about, just thinking differently. And not in a box outside the box. Because the box already exists. I mean, even if you look at like cell phones, cell phones are almost perfect. Like the battery life on the newest iPhone is ridiculous. The cameras are ridiculous. The video cameras are ridiculous. You know, I'm not saying that they're going to replace point and shoot phones but for the average consumer like that is their camera and video camera and it's capturing these family events and all that kind of stuff yep. and these companies have realized okay we're at the edge of that yeah we can keep making phones for a while but soon people are gonna stop buying them unless they do something else so what do they do now they fold i was in la the other day and i had to stop in cvs for something and I was so shocked to see a young woman standing in the camera processing department getting film developed yeah I was like, getting photos developed? But you wonder, where's all our pictures going to go? What you mean, when you die? I mean, I guess. I mean, are your kids going to be able to get your passcode to your phone? And Probably not. You know what I'm saying? Versus when my grandmother died or when my father passed away about a year ago, we were able to get physical pictures to look at versus trying to- Break into a phone? Come on. I think we should go back to the point and shoots, Joe. I think we just need to leave our loved ones our passwords. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> now, that's where I'd smack him if we was in person, because then I'd say he was being a smart butt. No, see, but that's what I'm talking about. But you're right. Leave the passcode. You're right. But I wasn't trying to be smart. Like, that was legitimately how I felt. 
you know. Y'all, I don't know if you can DM us on our IGs to let us know. Do you feel that that was a smart ASS comment or not? No, you're right. I don't think it was. It was just something I didn't think about. Like, you're right. Leave the passcode in a nightstand or something. Or your will or in your wallet. There's too many places. <laughs> Joe, you're right. We're just talking about the passcode to your recovery email because everything's going to go to your recovery email anyway. Okay, that's true. That is so true. Because the thing is, we're going to die. I'm, I'm sorry. I know that's very morbid, but like, no one gets out of life alive. And it's the one thing we never want to talk about. Or what do you think is going to happen when Jesus is supposed to come back? Do you want to be for that or would you rather be already dead? I get to heaven, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I get to heaven, I don't care. I mean, that's the way I see it. Because people say that, like, you know, oh, man, I, everybody's so afraid of death without realizing that they live in an imperfect world. And we get to go to a place that is. Perfect world. I mean, look at how beautiful the imperfect world is. Think about the world like without pain. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Look how beautiful an imperfect world is. Perspective, y'all. You choose to see the beauty in imperfection. Yeah, you're right. It is a choice. It is a very hard choice, but it's a choice. It is a choice to see beauty in an anxiety-filled environment, world. Yeah. But to see beauty in an imperfect world but to imagine what's going to be when we get to the perfect world. Or is a perfect world a mindset? Theologically, I believe that a perfect world is something that lies beyond this one. Because if this was as good as it's going to get, kill me. I mean, uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like, if this is as good as it's going to get. You feel like, what more do are you living for? What am I living for? Got it's it. kind of, when you think about why people kill themselves, because they feel that their best days are behind them. People don't know how hopeless of a feeling that is. I've attempted my life, so I know what you're talking about. I played Let's Make a Deal with God. I was hopeless. I was playing Let's Make a Deal with God, saying, God, I've lived a great life. What is behind door number three? Yeah. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. What is there more to live for? I'm good. I don't want no more pain. I don't care if you tell me that, no, hold on. There's something better. And the truth of the matter is there is. If you hold on, keep holding on. Oh, you're right. I don't believe that it wasn't time that healed my pain. It was what I did in the time. It's what I did with time. Like even now, you know, there's thoughts and feelings and, you know, all these things. Can the pain be resolved? No. Some of it's biological. It's some kind of chemical imbalance. And when you say pain, when you say I'm always in pain to someone listening that could say, I think I know what he means. Do you mind being specific? Oh, yeah. Like, so I don't know if you know this, like I'm super open about everything. Yes. Uh, There's a voice in the back of my head right now. Like Michelle Williams is wasting her time interviewing you. Joe. You quit football to become a musician that no one wants to listen to. You think that people really care about your music. You think that you'll become something other than an ex-NFL player. You're lying to yourself. And that's just one of them. They're all lies. No, I know they're lies, but I mean, sometimes I have depressive delusions. And it's it's a daily thing. And it's going to be a daily thing. And that's why I talk about it so openly, because it ain't going nowhere. And I would be doing a disservice to the people who don't 
get listened to in everyday life if I didn't say anything. You know, yeah. there's people in certain parts of the spectrum that can't like open their mouths and speak. I do it for those people. I don't quit for those people because I tell you, I want to quit every day. Yeah. Every day. Like, I can't see the future. All I can see is like what is in front of me today. You can speak your future, though. Yeah, I can't see the future at all. But we can speak and write it. <sighs> speak what you want to see. Write what you want to see. Yeah, I, I do that. One of your tweets was, I think today may be the day that I come to terms with reality. That was a very sad tweet. I know. And acknowledging, keeping it real with where you are. Yeah. And I want you to know, I could talk to you for four hours. So that first thing, I know you know it was a lie, but I want to tell you that I'm glad to be talking to you. And you are so intriguing that it's made me want to dig, dig even more to just get into that brilliance of yours, you know, the mind of you. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Are you okay today? Are you okay right now? No. <laughs> I, know you, I know people don't want to hear that, but no. No, no, no. I want to tell you this. When you, we ask, how is somebody doing? Yo, how are you doing? Be ready for when somebody actually says, I'm not doing okay. Do we really mean what we say when we ask somebody how we're doing? Do we really care about how a person is doing? Joe, you've said some key things to me that are like, I want to know how you're doing. I actually, I'm going to say it publicly. I want to keep in touch with you. You and your wife and family, like, I think I'm a total stranger, but would you have said that to somebody at the grocery store? If they say, Joe, I'm a fan of yours. How you doing today? Would you be like, I'm not okay? Yeah. You would tell them that? Yeah. Because how else am I going to normalize it? <sighs> things that people never hear about can't be normalized. I'll tell you why I'm not okay. If that's okay. Absolutely, please. Okay, so clearly I think I'm a failure when it comes to like my music. Like I feel like I left football to chase a dream and I could have still been playing football with the small number of engagements that I have on my calendar. You know, like mm -hmm. you start to beat yourself up about that. Like, what are you doing? 
you wake up and sit at home every day and make music in a room that no one else listens to, you're stupid. You're going through that on top of, you know, the comedy thing. Like, I'm, I don't, I've never been a comedian before. And the two comedians that I do know that are like, I would consider them successful. One's Gastor Almonte, the other one's Roy Wood Jr. They're so far away from where I am right now. It ain't even funny. And it's like, what are you doing now? Are you trying to go into comedy too to make yourself real, you know, forget about your failure as a musician? But you fight through those things. I do believe in God. I've been looking for a church to go to. And I found a great church. And it's still a great church. Like I said, I'm already like beating myself up for not having much on the calendar musically. And that's not to say nothing is happening. I, let me pause. Depressive delusions, depression in general, mental illness. This is through the lens of a mental illness. I decided I would try out for the church band. You know, you try to get involved with church, help with God's work. From the moment I heard the music that they were using to try out, I'm like, I don't play this music. I don't listen to this music. I don't know this music. You know? But I learned the songs and I played them my way. They were not the way that they were looking for. I didn't make the church band. The last band I tried out for, I didn't make it either. I was 12. I was trying out for a jazz band with my saxophone. It was a traveling jazz band. This was in Detroit. And I was like one of the last rounds, but I didn't make it. And so I went back to being 12. Yeah. Feeling the same feelings of like rejection, rejection and even like hopelessness. Like, bro, if you can't play in the church band, what do you, you like you left you left football to play your music. That ain't happening. So you're trying to play somebody else's music. You can't even play somebody else's music. <laughs> what an idiot. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I hear. It takes a minimum of five years musically. From the point with which you started independently, organically, without the help of a label, it takes a minimum of five years. So within five years, you're actually on track. No, no, no. no. I hear you. People say that. They say, like, even with yeah. the comedy, that I'm, like, moving really fast, but I don't see it. I know you don't see it or you don't feel it, but you're already mm -hmm. three years in. You started music in 2019, right, when you retired from the NFL, correct? As far as professionally. Yeah, where, where everything I released was going to stay up. Yeah. So it's 2022. You almost three years in. No, I'm not going to quit. I know you're not because I'm going to find you in Austin. We're going to go to a good barbecue spot and I'm going to let you have it. But I can tell that like sometimes when I'm being honest, the reaction is to like try to make it better. Instead of us just listening. Yeah. But we have to encourage you. We got to encourage you and be like, bro, I hear you. But that's the don't thing. Don't give up. No, it's like I appreciate the encouragement and everything. I'm just saying that I don't like me acknowledging that part of me feels that way. doesn't mean like I'm about to log off and go jump off the roof. You know, I think that's a people's fear. Yeah. It's a majority of fear. And so that's what happens. People want to automatically try to fix the problem. Yeah. But you don't desire that. Most people that kill themselves. It wasn't because like someone didn't say the wrong thing. They were alone. There was nobody. They didn't have nobody to talk to. There wasn't, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't because someone said the wrong thing in a conversation. It wasn't because someone didn't cheer them up. But yeah, like I just, I try to be honest with how I feel for that reason. Same thing. How's it going to get normalized? I know that Kanye's felt this way before. Like, I know that Drake's felt this way. I know Dwayne Johnson's felt this way. I know, I mean, this is a Bible person. I know Paul has probably felt this way. Oh, and he did. How you go from murder and preach Christians to, okay, now I'm a preacher. I'm a preach to y'all. Can you imagine them first couple sermons? All right, y'all, and we bringing in Paul. Hey, that looked a lot like Saul that was snatching people up last week. Talking about, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. 
So wow. I acknowledge how I feel while also acknowledging that I'm not like the only person to ever feel that way. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Jesus mm-hmm. felt that way. Did to the point of sweating blood in the garden. Yeah. You got prophets in the, in the Old Testament praying for God to kill them. Sadness and pain is real, but I do think that suffering is the only way to become a person of greatness. Mm. I don't know if you can look at anybody that's truly great that hasn't suffered. That has not suffered and that also has not sacrificed. Yeah. You almost sacrifice even your true feelings for the glory of what it is that you want to do. Or the effectiveness or the fulfillment. Like I'm, I, I want to be effective. I don't just want to be somebody that people listen to. And then like there's millions of people just listening to me talk, but no one's actually like hearing me. I'm not actually mm-hmm. affecting people. I don't want to be a placeholder. Yeah, I want to be effective. And I realized a couple years ago, actually, with this album that's coming out this year, it's actually a very, it's the most personal album I've ever. Yes. When is it coming out? It's coming out this summer. It's called Yours Truly. But I want people to know how I feel because I know I'm not the only one that feels how I feel. That's good. It may not be the same way. Like, oh, you know, but like, like I said, we've all we've all been in pain. And that's what I used to relate to people. And me talking about things that have happened to me personally usually are what resonate the most. And it's easy for me to do because I'm autistic. So I say that to say, like, there's no filter. Clearly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, there's no filter. Woo, Joe, listen. You know who else has no filter? My grandmother. Like, sometimes I wonder if she's autistic. I don't know if it's because she fought in the civil rights movement and she thinks I have this joke that, like, you know, the people who bring up the civil rights movement the most are the ones that didn't do nothing. <laughs> you be able to sit there and, like, listen, freedom better come before three o'clock. I got a show to watch when I get home now. But <laughs> so my grandma has no filter. Lord, my mother just turned 70 the other day and it's kind of like, they almost have paid and deserved. Oh, they paid their dues. You're going to hear how they feel. You're going to hear how they feel and you're going to adjust. And that's all you can do. Wow. Joe, thank you for bringing us into so many facets of you. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to hear your new album. You said it's coming out in the summertime. Summer, very personal album. All of your music has been yeah. speaking to where you are. And um, I think that's pretty incredible of your honesty. And thank you. You've actually given me the permission to, I'm going to try it with strangers and see how they react. I've got about three or four people where if they were to call or text me and ask me how I'm doing, I could really say, man, I'm overwhelmed or I'm frustrated versus just trying it with somebody at Dunkin' Donuts. So, Well, you can't lie. Well, there have been people who probably also feel like they don't want to be a burden on people. They don't want to be a Debbie Downer on somebody else's day. So I'm just going to say the two words. I'm okay. Y'all got to stop thinking for everybody else. Like people ask you questions for a reason. And you know what? If you do tell them how they feel and they don't really care about how you feel, they ain't going to ask you no more. But what if they do ask you how you feel, you tell them how you feel. And then... The relationship changes because, wow, this person really, I mean, how is he going to find out who cares about you? That's right. Because I, I think it would be easy to do to a stranger. It's hard to do to someone who knows you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, why not? Like I said, we're all the same. Absolutely. You'll find out that we're more alike than we are. I'm excited that we got to talk about just your journey, period. And I want you to come back when the album is done. I'd love to come back. 
your latest single, I Need Love. Oh, you like it? Uh, yeah. Oh, thank you. That was the first song I wrote when I moved to Austin. Really? Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I called myself like almost retiring from music all the way, but I love talking to other musicians and singers and writers. It, and Can it, we work together before you retire from music all the way? <laughs> yes, we should. Like, we I can produce it. You wouldn't have to worry about going through a label or anything. Even if you're like, look, I ain't even trying to do all that. Just let me do a couple hmm, little them kid cutty hums, hmm, you know, whatever. But okay. Yeah, we can work on something together. Okay. I'm here for it. And thank you for your honesty, because I was going to ask, you know, what do you do to relieve stress or whatever? But you're honest. You tell it how it is. You really tell people how you're feeling. Even for people like you. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure that, you know, me being honest with you. Once again, when I say I'm not doing okay, like, obviously, I'm not sitting here like with a knife to my wrist, y'all. Like, honestly, like my feelings are a little hurt because I ain't make the band. That does not mean that I'm not still doing other things. Let me call that church. Tell me what's the name of the church. Remember what I told you at the beginning. I'm listening to the music. I don't even play this music. So you done went in there and tried to season it up. You put, tried to put some lorries on it, huh? And some hot sauce on it. Yeah, and then like, you can take that shit back to the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that ends this amazing discussion. Take it back to the kitchen. <laughs> Ladies the, and gentlemen. I'm sending it back. Let me get a Shirley Temple. This is terrible. <laughs> Give me something simple because this is man, this is a mess. But I'm sure it was not a mess. I'm sure it was just probably something that they weren't expecting. And I don't know. You might get the call back. You never know. They might have made a mistake. No, the reality of the situation is, I mean, part of success is embracing failure. It's a failure. I mean, it happened for a reason. The last time it happened, I was 12. I handled it better than I did when I was 12. That is progress. I'm moving on. Absolutely. Now, I do go to therapy, y'all. I don't want y'all to think that I just be meditating and, yeah, <laughs> and saying a couple of prayers. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> I go to therapy. I'll be in church. I had theology class last night. So are you in school for ministry? No, um, I'm taking a theology class because I want to, like, I realize I know a lot about it. And I want to kind of put it into a comedic form to turn it into like a comedic set. I'm like, you know, maybe half hour, 45 minutes of explaining theology while also being funny. Because people need to know it. Absolutely. And that's a great way to know it is to maybe put a spin on it. You know, that was the thing about gospel music is telling people about the good news of the word, but put some comedy on it to where people can. A gospel comedy album. It's never been done before. Come on, Joe. What did Kamala Harris say? Come on, Joe. We did it. (sighs) (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I don't know if I'm breaking any HIPAA laws or not. But the therapist that I work with has a name similar to Miss Harris's. So when you say her name, I was like, how did you know? Oh, snap. That's why my Man. face looked like that. I'm like, what? Uh, probably just confirmation that you're moving in the right direction and to keep going. Yeah. And um, okay, y'all, we're going to finish this conversation off air. <laughs> Joe, thank you so much for checking in. Thank you for having me. We want you to come back in the summertime. Look, you talking about speaking earlier. I will be back in the summertime. Come on, friend. All right, y'all. We'll talk again soon. Bye, Joe. Y'all be blessed. (laughs) Take that steak back to the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all, we we logging off. Goodbye. Wow. I was not expecting this, y'all. I was not expecting someone to be so honest about 
where they are or I was not expecting someone to be so open about what they're still working through. I think a lot of my previous guests I've had on have overcome things, but Joe is still working through things or he was honest enough to let you know that he's still working through things. And I'm going to be honest enough to say I'm still working through some things as well. But were y'all like taken aback when I asked him, is he okay? And he was like, nah, like we got to be ready for those real answers or make an environment safe enough for a person to really be honest about where they are. I am just, I'm glad that he shared that he is in therapy and that he is in counseling. He was just so honest about his diagnosis and just did not make the actual recording, but we were just talking about the level of trauma and abuse and the setbacks and everything that he's, he's going through. And for him to be able to laugh in the midst of so much pain, gosh, it just, um, y'all wasn't ready. I'm going to be honest. I, I was not ready. But I'm glad he has support around him, his wife and family and his counselor. And I just want to let you guys know um, to keep pushing and that there is hope. If you feel like your responses might seem irrational or very brash or whatever, nothing is wrong with going to see a psychiatrist and getting an assessment. You might want to go to your family physician first, right? Your general practitioner and let them know what's been going on. And then they can refer you to the specialist that they think you need. Gosh, I just want to see people free and have so much freedom with whatever diagnosis you have. This interview freed me. Like when he was like, you can't care what people think. And he clearly does not. This young man was drafted to the NFL and is doing his thing in music. Kobe Bryant was a mentor of his, a very close friend of his. And I know that things are going to go extremely well. They are going extremely well, even while he is still open with what he is still working through. So I want to let you know that I love you so much. And I'm so thankful that you take time every Tuesday to tune in and that you decide to check in. I'm going to make sure that I have more interviews with people that are still working through things so that I don't want one listener to feel like they're alone. I don't want one listener to feel like, yeah, they can't relate to me. I'm still going through it, but they're all excited because they've overcome. Mm -mm. I hear you. I feel you. I want you to know that I'm going to do better even about making sure that I can talk to people that are willing to share what they're still working through and what they're still going through. And it's great to talk to people who've overcome certain things as well, because it lets you know it can be a goal of yours. If you want to truly be overcome and if you truly want to be fully, truly healed of abuse and trauma, depression, anxiety, whatever it is that you're going through, this is a safe place to share. I want to thank those of you who every now and then pop up in my DMs and share where you are. I just read something from a young lady not too long ago who is just saying that she's having a hard time and that my podcast is helping her. So I want to let you know I love you and I see you and I'm, I'm so glad that my podcast can be a place of hope, a place of safety for you. We'll talk again soon.
Checking In with Michelle Williams is a production of iHeartRadio and The Black Effect. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease got my prevnar 20 shot it's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine for us wise folks it helps protect i'm 19 strong and asthmatic and at higher risk get vaccinated but but nothing when grandma speaks grandson listens 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma diabetes or chronic heart disease or 65 plus you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine.